Hey guys, my name is Brett Ferguson, and I'm a current student at the University of South Carolina, where I'll be graduating in May 2020. Can you believe it? Welcome to episode 20, season one finale of the Struggle to Sovereignty podcast. Before we jump into episode 20, I want to talk a little bit about the episode 19 response. It was so cool seeing what Thanksgiving means to my team, to honestly me hearing it come from my mouth instead of, and like actually being able to hear it over the podcast was really interesting. And then also to hearing what Thanksgiving means to y'all. Thanksgiving is such a, a, it's such a crucial holiday for me because I get to go see my family and I get to truly thank them and I get to truly give them my passion and my utmost respect for what they've been able to do for me and the way they've molded me into the man I am today. I'm super thankful and grateful for my family and super grateful and thankful for all my friends, everybody that's been an impact in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And ev- thank you, everybody that's been an impact in the struggle of sovereignty. It's been incredible. So as we go on, let's talk a little bit about episode 20. So the individual I'm bringing on is probably one of the most innovative, creative, and influential members of the community of the at the struggle of sovereignty yet. He this guy, I mean, if you talk about social media advertising, he's he's the king of it. I mean, he he knows he's an unbelievably brilliant mind, um, and on top of it, he just has a kind of casually a New York Times bestseller list book called The Millennial Whisperer. So, for episode 20, guys, I'm not going to say too much because I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this one, but as we go into episode 20, I am joined by Mr. Christopher Tuff. And now, guys, in episode 20, the finale of the Struggle to Sovereignty podcast, I am joined by Mr. Christopher Tuff. How are you doing today, Mr. Christopher? I'm awesome. How are you guys? Good, good. We're super pumped to have you on our finale episode of The Struggle of Sovereignty. Um, and I'm really excited about this conversation we're going to have. So real quick before we jump into the kind of the bread and the butter, uh, will you describe a little bit about yourself, who you are, kind of sure. your values appropriate? Yeah, uh, well, so, well, I'll start with my own purpose. How about that? So my sure. purpose, and I, I, I will tell everyone that I think one of the most important things to do is if you don't have a purpose, start at least the process of getting there, you know, and 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 hone in on, on what it is that at least drives you and, and you're passionate about. Um, but my purpose is to inspire and connect. And so it's to inspire people and then connect one on one or one to a to a few. Uh, and that is really what acts as the uh, as the filter for most of my decision making and prioritization. Um, so you know, it's been an interesting, I'm also a partner at um, uh, w- one of the largest advertising firms in the U.S. called 22 Squared. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of grown up there as the digital social media guy um, and uh, led lots of young teams, awesome teams. Um, so leadership is a big thing for me. And now I find myself actually doing a lot of engagements with some of the biggest and um, 
most sought after brands in the world, which is kind right. of crazy. Um, and, you know, I'm a huge kiteboarder, mountain biker, uh, father of two daughters, seven and nine, and married to an amazing wife who is much more athletic than me. She <laughs> she was she and her twin sister were professional soccer players. Oh, and um, yeah, yeah. Wow. So um, played at Clemson. Sorry, guys. She played at Clemson, so uh, really, and it's actually kind of funny because uh, so my brother-in-law Josh Goffey is the men's tennis coach at South Carolina, yeah, and he went yeah. to Clemson, oh. and now so his family they all have to wear all this South Carolina gear, and they all went through <laughs> and played athletics at Clemson. But yeah, that's that that's me, and um, and what you see is what you get, and uh, I'm really excited to be here and hopefully connect with uh, obviously you guys. Um, and, and a few listeners out there. That's incredible. Well, uh, first off, we just wanted to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on and uh, just speak some knowledge to all of us. Uh, we're really excited about what we can bring to the table with this podcast. So uh, before we, um, before we kind of jump into some of the topics we want to talk about, I want to talk about your book, The Millennial Whisperer. So let's, uh, let's kind of just jump into a little bit about what the inspiration behind that was, what was tough while you were creating it, and then while right now it is a finished product, what are you looking to do with it going forward? I love it. Yeah, so the main thing is, one, I'm not calling myself the self-proclaimed millennial whisperer. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, really, what I'm trying to do is bring more empathy and connection into our workplaces where you know, some of you uh, listeners out there aren't yet in the workforce, but maybe you've gotten a taste of it with um, the different um, internships and stuff. And there, we're so quick to adapt to technology, but we're so slow to adapt the ways that we lead and um, inspire our the people around us. Mm. And. Uh, I had never had any intention of writing a book. I was actually two and a half years ago, I was on an executive men's retreat um, up in North Georgia, 14 of us, average age being kind of like 45. And uh, it was my turn to introduce myself. And I, I stood up around the fire and I kind of, uh, I, I hit a blank spot because as I was introducing myself, I'm like, I'm not really the digital and social guy anymore. I'm kind of. I don't really know what I do anymore. And I <laughs> proclaim to them, I'm like, I'm, but I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer. And, uh, you know, I found a, a huge purpose in trying to bring more connection into our workplace. And I feel like deep down, I'm kind of more of, even though I'm not a millennial, more of a millennial than most millennials. Mm -hmm. And these guys are just like, what the hell is he talking about? And I go and share my story and I sit down by the fire and uh, the guy leading the, the the whole retreat, who I didn't really know at the time, Tommy Breedlove, he kicks me and he looks at me. He goes, you better write that book. And I was like, what book? He goes, The Millennial Whisperer. And then my friend Bert, who has a big radio show, I don't know if it's syndicated in South Carolina, but it's Was called it the, the Burt Show? Yeah, The Burt Show. Yeah, I just Bert. had Blake Eason. Uh, he oh, was that's on... hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Bert's one of my best friends. And um, he, he goes, dude, I, I don't know what to do with these young people in my studio right now. Tell me some of the stuff you do, Chris. So I started sharing some of the things that we do. Yeah. And these guys are dumbfounded. They're like, uh, okay, Chris. And Bert calls me two weeks later. He was like, Chris, I started to do some of the things you were talking about. And they work. They actually work. 
And so I've seen, you know, uh, the culture has gotten better. People are happier. People are staying later. And so I knew I had to write this book. So I wrote it in about seven months. And the process of writing the book was nonlinear. And, you know, I always had this vision, like in the movies where you sit down and you kind of write it all out. And it's not that way at all. It's actually, I hired an editor out of the gates and he helped me come up with kind of the backbone and outline. And then we kind of filled it in as we went uh, with different stories. And, and collecting those stories, I'd find inspiration. I'm ADHD as hell, right? Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll <laughs> notice it in, in the speech. But I also see that as a massive asset. And um, so, but, you know, the point there is that having that structure and kind of like the ribs of it was so important and it would kind of grow in different places at different times. And then we published about eight months ago and um, the rest was kind of history. We've, we've sold 60,000 books. It's a, it became a bestseller in the first kind of debut week. And um, now I'm doing lots of speaking and engagements and using it as a way to open up doors for the agency and create relationships there. Right. And, and so, you know, one thing I want to emphasize here, because I want to give people nuggets, um, knowing the audience, is that a big thing for me is looking inwardly and understanding my own currency. And currencies evolve with time, uh, but everyone's got a currency. And your currency is that thing that ideally you're somewhat passionate about, um, but also that there's a need out there. And when you're networking and you're meeting people, it's what you're using as that exchange. For some people, it might just be sports knowledge, right? right. Out of the gates. And currencies grow in themselves. And so my old currency was kind of the digital and social guy. And then I became kind of the culture guy for corporations. Um, and making that step from being the digital and social guy to the culture guy is very, it's, it's, there's a huge gap there. Yeah. So what I've now been doing is really embracing that gray area and merging kind of the two together. So I come in and I talk about what this book can do for your corporation and bring people together. Um, but then also we talk about how do you actually market to these younger generations, et cetera. So, you know, my, but my takeaway to the listeners and the audience is make sure you understand what it is that is your currency, especially as you're going out into the job market, especially as you're going out into the world. What is it that drives you and keeps you somewhat differentiated and gets you fired up? And it's with that that should kind of act as that backbone for um, where your kind of career trajectory will end up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, that, that, like you said, you're dropping nuggets, but those nuggets are gold. Um, it, it, for, for young people, it's important for us to understand things like that, like currency. That's not something we immediately think about whenever we're coming out the gate. Whenever we're coming out of college, we're focused on a million and a half different things. Oh, let me get the best job I can. Let me get the best, let me network as best as I can. Well, okay, that's great, but if you're not growing yourself interpersonally, then you're never gonna grow at all. Even if, even if you grow your network, if you're not growing personally and you're not growing through these, through hardships, through hard times, right, that has been something that's been a part of my life for so long that it's just made it easier for me because I know it's like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I just have to reach that end of the tunnel. And how do I do that? And it's just like things you were saying, like that currency. Somebody knows yep. sports knowledge. Okay, one of my one of my friends that I had on, D'Angelo Stevenson, very very knowledgeable in sports. 
Guess what he did? Created his fourth talk show. It's called exactly. Spurs Up. Jack Taylor, who's my sound editor now, runs the entire thing for USC. Just had Marcus Lattimore on. Just had Darius Rucker on. I mean, it, it's unbelievable that, you know, like you said, that little bit of currency, what it can do to expand upon yourself as like an, an interpersonally. Exactly. And, you know, you and I talked about it, but mm -hmm. especially as you're going out there and trying to hone this and network, it's so critical to do a little bit of research before you reach out. And right. I mean, I get, I probably, I think I showed you my, I have over a quarter of a million unread emails. <laughs> right. Over, well, I mean, literally, I have 200, <laughs> look at this. This gives people heart attacks because it's kind of hard to believe. 235,300 <laughs> emails, right? But how people get through to me is through uh, Instagram direct message. And I respond to everyone. And right. it's usually those people that are like, Chris, I really dig your book. I really dig what you're doing. I'm like, hell yeah. Right. Let's connect, man. Like you. I mean, right. obviously it helps when Ryan like kind of nudges it along. But yeah, right, right. Seriously, like just do a little bit of research. Take a little bit of a vested interest in that other human being. And then it's go time. Yep. And we forget as human beings the importance of what connection means for everything we do. Because deep down, all we want to do is be accepted and loved. Deep yep. down. And, and that is essentially, like, I get so fired up because we forget that stuff. Yeah. And if we use that as the driver to both connect with others and network, but also make sure that we're honing our currency as we go. Because the last thing we should do is become complacent in where we are. And it's why I tell everyone, embrace your side hustles. Always have something that is firing you up and fueling you up because it's with that side hustle that your currency will evolve with your changing uh, mind and heart. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'll tell even corporations, support your people in their side hustles. And I love then I'll hold up my book and be like, my side hustle is now my full time hustle. Right. And then I don't know what's after that, but we've got to always be working on this stuff. Sorry, that was a quick tirade. But no, 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 no. I mean, it, I love that you brought that up because for me personally, that's been something that the struggle to sovereignty has been. Like, you know, I work at an amazing strength and conditioning company. I work for one of the most innovative, creative, most functional strength companies in the world. We've done 80% of the NFL. We've done college programs across the nation. I mean, it's, it, the you can, you name it, we've done it if it's in the sports world. And you know how unbelievable it is to walk into that office and have individuals that have so much knowledge within this industry and so, they've seen so many podcasts, they've seen so many things. And the first thing they walk up and say is, Brett, I'm so proud of you for what you've been able to do. And then like th th the fact that they just say those words, those, that little snippet of words, that makes my day. And it makes this so worthwhile because it's like, you guys know that I'm busting my butt over there to work for you guys, but I'm also busting my butt here to do this. And this side hustle has been such a blessing for me because it's like, I get to constantly work with a guy like Ryan. I get to constantly work with a guy like Jack. I get to constantly work with a producer like Brendan. I get to, like, I get to meet people like you and have a conversation that I probably wouldn't have nor like beside that, you know, it, it's, it's just unbelievable that I'm able totally. to do, you know, and it just, like you said, it's that side hustle. I literally, a motivation to do this was I was listening to a podcast called Side Hustle School. <laughs> they were like, they were telling you to embrace your side hustle and build upon your side hustle. Be passionate about it. Let it fire yourself up every morning. And it does. I love it. I love yeah. it. And, and yeah, I mean, and you had a great point there just with the, 
Um, as per one of the, I've had a couple failed startups as well mm-hmm. as a couple that have just, and they've all been side hustles and uh, a couple that have actually succeeded. But you know, what I tell any young entrepreneur or even in the heart of networking is ask for advice first mm-hmm. and then money second and let people feel part of the process. And I mean, like, I mean, and you and I will have a connection following this and right. I'll go out of my way to help you out. Right. Cause we're creating, there's a lot of realness in mm-hmm. a face to face, even though it's not in person, but having that face to face video connection is so important. And so as you go out there, I think we always feel so compelled to beat our chest and mm-hmm. to brag about what we've done instead of actually doing the opposite and seeking advice first. Right. And then it's with that, that, um, that I think a lot of amazing things start to happen. The other piece, I have a buddy here. I've gotten close with a bunch of these big authors and big ones aren't big. Um, but this guy, Garrett Gravison, he's the most ridiculous. He actually, I'll encourage him to come on your show. He's ridiculous. So he helped do a lot of the curriculum, uh, leadership curriculum at Chick-fil-A and this guy, so right now he's going around the world. He's going to every single country in the world. And actually this morning, he finally got into Burundi, which he's been trying to get a visa for, for uh, five times. And you have to actually fly to the visa office yeah. every single time. And it's his last country in Africa to get into. He was the first American to go on to uh, go to North Korea. I mean, what? he's a ridiculous human being. And he wrote a book called 10 Seconds of Insane Courage. And one of the things that he says, uh, and maybe I've honed it a little bit since then, but one of the best pieces of advice I got in terms of networking, because I feel like this is such an important tool Mm -hmm. for especially young people out there, is um, if you tell people what it is that you want and you ask for help there, nine out of 10 times, they will go out of their way to help. Mm -hmm. So you just got to tell them who it is or where you are wanting to go. And so the more research that you can do is to like, let's just say sports, right? I'm super into sports and this is where I want to go. You just got to ask people for uh, recommendations of people to meet in that industry. And that's where, you know, the networking effect happens. But Garrett expanded upon that. And he said, if you tell anyone what your dream is, 10 out of 10 times, they will go out of their way to help make that a reality. Mm -hmm. And so reframe some of the things that you're doing, especially in the networking front and say, my dream in your case is to have a top 10 podcast or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. People will go out of their way for that. And <laughs> once again, so that's a quick kind of side yeah. snip on Garrett. And, uh, you know, it's funny. He, so he wrote this book, 10 seconds. This is a fun story. He mm-hmm. wrote this book, 10 seconds of insane courage. And he does speeches all over the world. And so he goes up to, uh, he got called by the executive team at the New York Yankees to go give a speech. And he went up there and, uh, it was one of his first big speeches on a corporate level. And we text him. We're like, Garrett, so how did it go with the Yankees? And there was a delay and we're like, oh, it's not gone well. And then he finally texts us back. He goes, guys, it went well. It went really well. Three of their executives just quit because of it's it's all about taking the risk and making the jump and blah, blah, blah. And apparently in that day afterwards, three of the executives from the New York Yankees ended up quitting. No kidding. Anyway, that's my quick uh, side tip. That's hilarious. Get back on track. Yeah. 
Steve. No, no problem. No problem at all. So um, we talked about a little bit. Um, you, you stated something that I, I wrote down immediately when you said it. You said the ruthless pursuit of action. What does that mean? And how can uh, a millennial generation or us or me, or me, Ryan, us sitting in this room, how can we act upon that? So first, I think it needs to be a ruthless pursuit of passion. Passion. And then action needs to follow passion. And so, you know, the one thing is, is life has to be a ruthless pursuit of passions first, because in this Plinko game or pinball machine of life, the worst thing that we could do is actually get spit out into a starting area that isn't in line with what drives us. And that's usually out of convenience or complacency of trying to please our parents. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I've seen it, you know, I went to Vanderbilt, graduated with a bunch of really smart dudes. Um, and I went back for my reunion and I was asking my Dan, my buddy, Dan, I'm like, how's the law firm going? He's like, Oh no, I'm in med school now. I'm like, dude, you were a partner. <laughs> what happened? He was like, yeah, the, I was just doing that to please my dad. I, I figured out that I actually really want to be a doctor and now I'm in my final year of residency. And I, and he's like, I know it's, 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 uh, it's too bad. Right. Like, I'm like, no, God, but like, God bless you for pursuing it. Right. Good for you. That's awesome. Most people will just stay miserable their whole lives. Um, and you know, I also will say it took me 65 job interviews to get my first job, uh, at a digital advertising firm as the 13th employee there. And that's kind of where everything started, but it was through that, um, that, that natural selection um, mm -hmm. that I ended up in a place that was in line, somewhere in line with my passion, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will say that, oh, that's BS that you can't find a job uh, that is in line. You can't just follow your passion. And time and time and time and time again, that is proven wrong. Mm -hmm. But the only way that it's proven wrong is when you actually take action towards it. Right. And we all want quick fixes. We live in a world with not um, as much accountability as there probably should be. And we hate doing the work. We all want that. Look at uh, look at some of the things in your Instagram feed. It's like right. instant six pack. It's like, no, you know There's how no you way. get six pack? You wake up. Do I want to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and work out three days a week? Hell no. Do I want to <laughs> spend whatever I spend on a personal trainer to do it? Hell no. Do I do it? Yes. Right. Yeah. And there's not nearly much emphasis on the action part of this stuff. And you just got to start somewhere. Right. And that's also why, whether you like one other great resource for anyone, I don't know if you guys listen to Naval's podcast, I but do. so Naval, he actually reoriented his whole life around the first thing he does is works out in the morning mm -hmm. and nothing gets in the way of that. And I, I'm a huge fan of Naval and how to get rich, uh, which sounds counter to what the actual message of his thing is, right. which, you know, status is a zero sum game and some other things, but I highly encourage other people to listen to it, but to, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to start taking action early in your day with some small wins. And I think we also focus on the much bigger, what I call, um, you know, these kind of um, these trophy type moments, these milestone moments. And we've got to celebrate more of the small ones because mm -hmm. it's actually, you know, even when Atlanta United was set, I went to the 
the finals last year when they won with my dad, which was a super special experience for us in terms of our bonding. He's British and had never been to Atlanta United game. And I sat there and it was awesome being with him. But then I look up and see these players uh, getting the trophy and I felt bad for him because I'm like, the journey's done for them. You know, like that, that's, that's sad. Like, right. To an extent. And I don't think we emphasize near enough of the celebrating the small actions and moments. And one tactical thing I did that totally changed my life and has now become probably the more one of the more famous things in terms of um, the stuff that I speak about in front of these larger audiences is turn your let's and answer it with a buy when. And so take this in life. You know, it says, let's start a pad podcast right and you'll email it or text it to your friends mm -hmm. and then nothing happens or or try it in the next social setting hey let's grab drinks or let's grab coffee and then nothing happens so instead show accountability and action by answering it with buy when immediately okay so an application i actually started working out because of this uh, lifting that is I was okay. always a runner I saw one of my buddies who is a executive at Cox Communications and I was like Neil dude what are you doing like you look healthy you look good he was like I'm working out with a trainer three days a week and I was like oh my god I've been wanting to do that for a long time let's work out together and he goes uh, and then I'm like oh crap by when do you want to work out together he was like Monday morning five you know five whatever I'm like, okay, let's go. And that was five. <laughs> oh, and wow. now we've become best friends. And, you know, he helped get me a huge engagement at Cox, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But that's my long tirade around action is how you need an accountability partner uh, and accountability to take action. And we must celebrate more of the small moments. And we've also got to make sure our to-do list isn't too long. And that it has some of those smaller actions, and I'll say no more than three things at a time, should be on that list. And instead of 15, it's three. And right. tackle those. And then answer let's with a buy when. You know, uh, something something you stated too, and you, you were talking about working, just the task of working out in the morning. Um, so something that I talked about literally in episode one. Um, I listen to a lot of Jocko Willink, if you're familiar with him. Uh, Jocko Willink, he is, uh, he's the creator of something called um, Extreme Discipline and uh, Complete Ownership. So he talks about something that he does is each morning he wakes up, he puts the night before, he puts an alarm on his phone and he puts something that'll motivate him to get up the next morning. So whenever he sees his alarm clock, there is no excuse, right? So I started implementing this into mine and I was like, er, into my schedule. And I was like, you know, what could I put that would get me up in the morning? Like, oh, I don't need something that'll just be, you know, some dude screaming at me or somebody getting me hype at 4.30 or five in the morning. I don't need that. I just put this simple little quotation. I put mediocrity is not a, er, mediocrity is achieved by accomplishing nothing. And I believe that's one of the biggest drivers that affects me is because my dad did not raise me to be mediocre. My mother did not raise me to be mediocre. My, my family has not influenced me to be mediocre. I believe that I have an endless pursuit of passions that will in turn make me great. Am I great now? I'm in the process. There's a difference. Like I, I haven't, I don't have the end product, nor do I ever think I will. 
But, don't we always want to be in the process? Right. And and that's me. It's I like I even talked about this. I was saying, you know, what's what's your motivation? Is it the process or the product? Are you driven by the integral steps that takes to get to there? Or are you driven by the actual culmination of that goal? And then once you reach that culmination of that goal, where can you go and set the benchmark higher? Where can you put failure as a benchmark to what you can achieve rather than what you wouldn't achieve, right? So that's just been something for me in my life that I've tried to instill just because working out's always been a part of my life. I've, I've been in athletics. I've been, you know, I've, I've been within strength conditioning my entire life. I've been within athletics. That's something I've always done, but it was, okay, where do I become even more accountable? How do sure. I become even more disciplined? When, do, when am I going to change out to my workout regiments to something I don't like to do? I hate running. I've always lifted. I hate running. Let's start running more. <laughs> but, just, and you know, the hardest thing for me huh. is taking a day off too. Yeah. Right. Right. And like, I want to, I'm so much more awake and driven and right when I do it, but then it's like, Chris, you got to have a rest day. And I'm like, oh crap. Or stretching. I hate stretching. Right. I want to stretch. You know, a lot of these things are massive metaphors for everything. You know, it was funny, like, as I kind of went through all my life changes, I looked around and um, I turned to my wife. I was like, I'm just really bored. And uh, it was a friend of mine that said, boredom is just a synonym for serenity. And uh, I was like, oh, crap. Wow. This is what peacefulness is? Like, not stuff all around. And I'm, <laughs> I'm addicted to momentum. I am addicted to uh to that adrenaline. I mean, mm -hmm. it's also why I loved kiteboard and all these things. But I think there's also a lot to be said for balance and the taking the time out and catching our breath uh, and having the off days. And for whatever reason, you know, and it's not nearly as entertaining for our feeds, is it? Right. Uh, right. Although sometimes posting the failures, which I'm doing more of, is uh, I was actually just down in Isla Mirada kiteboarding with two of my uh, kind of accountability partner, best friends. And all we posted was us eating it. And <laughs> people love seeing, like, right. instead of like the most epic moments, it's like, this is, you know, and we're seeing a move to that, like the real life posts and stuff. Um, but that's also my, that's my quick tirade, Brett, too. Um, Let's make sure that we're finding balance in life. And it's with balance that beauty happens. And, you know, um, you know, also, I feel like we have it too good. You know, uh, if you actually look at happiness indexes country, uh, worldwide, the countries that rank the highest always are ones that are coming back from either massive famine, mm -hmm. massive sickness or war. Right. And it's because it's it's just like as human beings, it's the the day after we recover from the flu or the day after we get off the crutches that we have a true appreciation right. for our health or that need. Um, the same is true in in life. And so without pushing ourselves, without kind of, uh, I think, having that discipline, we won't necessarily have the recognition of how amazing this life is yeah. uh, and you know and i yeah, i think I, we we probably talked about it but i think it's so essential that we choose light over dark mm -hmm. and you know during the lowest of moments our human instinct is to go cower in the corner by ourselves yeah. versus reaching out to others and having real connection and it's with connection that we choose light 
over dark um and i could go on a long tirade about that but now hey here i go adhd boy <laughs> no, you're, you're completely fine and like you said um I think that concept of finding light in door and like in you know in sometimes a dark world is 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 a really interesting concept. So my cousin, um, my cousin Gray, he's telling me a story. Gray has been on mission trips to a bunch of different countries, and one story he told me in particular is whenever he was in Boca to South America, whenever he was in Colombia, and. He told me it was during so it was during the uh, the World Cup. So Colombia was in the World Club. We're in the World Cup. Everybody's happy. Everybody's you know exuberant. Everything. And he said, you know, it was it was so funny because oh, actually I take that back. No, this was during his Dominican Republic travels. So he said, you know, I went to the Dominican Republic. The entire time I was there. I did not see one kid crying, not one, and they have nothing, they have literally nothing, and he did not see a, like, he did not see a frown, he didn't see any kid crying, he saw happiness and exuberance. The second he landed in the United States, the first thing he noticed was that kids were crying. The first thing he noticed. And I said, wow, what volumes does that speak, you know? Like, how blessed are we to be able to have what we have? And it, it also, too, on the flip side, how upsetting is that to see that we have all of this and we're still unhappy, you know? I think if we look at life and take a viewpoint from what person with literally nothing has, if you look at life through those lens and then realize what you're able, what you do have, it makes this it makes this life so much more beautiful because you see what the past you see what the present's happening and then you see what's going to be happening in the future you know i'm not a father yet neither is he neither is ryan neither is Brent, neither is Brendan. sorry getting fired up but you know none of us are fathers yet but we look to the future because we're like i cannot wait for that day until i am a father because dang it if i'm going to be a father i'm going to be the best father i possibly can and that's an exciting future. Why would I? Why would I fret about that? Or why would I be scared about it? And I, I don't know. Just, just contributing to what you were saying, I thought that was such an interesting concept. So yeah, I mean, and so actually, so I, I got to show you something. Sure. When I was first, and a quick story. Sure. Uh, I I was trying to figure out a good way to launch this book, and I called Bert from the Bert Show, and I was like, Bert. I don't care who your listenership is, but I know it's millions of people. You're going to have me on on the day that I launch my book. And Bert was like, Chris, dude, come on, man. Like, I love you, man. But, and I know I was there, but like, what are you going to do that's worth listening to? Right. I was like, thanks so much. That's a great vote of confidence, Bert. But <laughs> here's what I have in mind. In, in researching the greatest differences between the millennial generation and boomers, Statistically speaking, the greatest difference is their appetite and acceptance of tattoos. So I will get a full sleeve tattoo all about my book while I talk about the book on air. And no, that's it, what then. So I was on the Burt show getting. So you can see <laughs> so this, this is so the top part. 
The top part is all about bringing the world together. That's my logo, Millennial Whisperer. And then, you know, here's about bringing the world together. Everything's very representative, but it also then brings me to my latest edition. So now it's started this whole thing, which is the middle part, which is all about choosing light over dark. And, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of, I think, symbolism in that, but one of the key things is the power of choice. And that power of choice is one of the only things we all have, right? right? And we don't put nearly enough power or emphasis into, it's a lot of times it's up to us. And I think oftentimes we're overwhelmed by how many choices um, we have. And we choose to, to, to hang out with certain people, right? We choose how we want to view the world. Um, but it once again, it's all those small actions that then influence whether or not we can choose light over dark. Uh, so, anyways, that's my quick tirade, and oh, uh, that, uh, that, and then yeah, it's, I love that tattoo. Kiyoki is yeah. My wife's like Chris. This is such a good representation of you because you could have just gotten like a small tattoo, right? Uh, versus like a. Uh, sleeve. <laughs> sleeve. Yeah. So, uh, so how did that? So, did you just think of that idea whenever you were with Bird, or did it did it just kind of come up, or you're just like, I'm just gonna do this? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how my mind works. Is yeah, a very creative kind of <laughs> yeah on the fly. But what the unfortunate side of that is, I walk the talk too. So I come up with the idea and then I actually do it, which my mm -hmm. wife doesn't always appreciate. Okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, what's one thing saying, it's another thing doing. And I think we love to talk the talk and we don't walk the walk. So, right. uh, I mean, once again, you know, one of the best things I think you'll find with me uh, is that what you, I'm the same person in every single conversation that I have, no matter who I'm talking to. Mm. Um, I'm just like, this is me. And so, you know, there's so much to be said um, with the genuine authenticity of, uh, you know, my friend said the, my friend Tommy Breedlove, who wrote the intro to uh, the forward of my book and inspired it, um, he, he said that self-actualization is when you're the same, you're not wearing any masks, right? And you're the same person in every conversation. And, uh, you know, I say all of that because I, it's, I don't strive for it. It's who I am. But along with that, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Right. Or I'll do everything in my power to get there. And sometimes I fail. Right. <laughs> and, and then it's right. back to the drawing board. And, you know, the process of writing a book and putting yourself out in the world is so much more difficult than, than I anticipated. But, um, you know, uh, it's with those challenges that we get. I think that that's the fun. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel like if everything was easy, there wouldn't be any satisfaction out of anything. You know, like oh. it. You know, like the the struggle and that hard part, it makes it, it makes it, it makes it whole. It makes it something that you actually want to go out and achieve. It makes it, makes it worthwhile to achieve that goal because you know, okay, this was a lot harder than it is now after I've achieved it. Something that relates to that, you talked about your 70-30 rule. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so it, it, it's a product of what I call the Pinterest station of a generation. And we're all a product of that, whether we want to care to admit it or not. But it's this idea that we see it um, day in and day out where we're, we're posting only pictures of great moments. And, you know, I, I will, the first thing I tell anyone that starts on my team is I go, guys, I've done it. Uh, I've, you've, we've got to 
stop comparing our insides to other people's outsides. And that happens every day on Instagram. And I will admit five, four or five years ago, I hired a fishing guide when I was in Sun Valley, Idaho. And I had no intention of catching the fish. I told the dude, I want two pictures. I want a picture of me like a Brad Pitt and river runs through it of a movie of me kind of like mountains in the background. I want that shot. And I want a picture of the trout in the, uh, in, in the net. And this guy looks at me, he goes, you're going to spend $600 on an Instagram post. I was like, no, it's like $300 each. Let's go. And I got those <laughs> pictures. When I do the presentation, I have the picture that I use and it's a, it's embarrassing, right? It's, I did that. And to a certain extent, we all do that. And what that creates is this world of perfection that doesn't really exist, but from a work standpoint it makes us think that the grass is always greener on the other side and the harsh reality is whether it be in relationships whether it be in work whatever it is it isn't always greener on the other side and uh, we are all a product of this so that my 70 30 rule 70 percent of your job should fire you up and fuel you up and be in line of your passions and kind of purpose but 30 percent of your job is just gonna suck mm -hmm. for me it's anything in excel Right. Anything in right. Excel is in my zone of suck. Um, and so anytime I do that, so what I do in everyone's kind of first day is you put down of your job description, what's in your 70, what's in your 30. And when you end up doing that stuff that's in your 30, you're like, oh, well, this is just in my zone of suck. So it's just going to take a little bit of this to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is such an important piece for all of us. Um, and so, yeah, that's the 70, 30 rule. Yeah. If you aren't living by this and some people will say, oh no, it's like 80, 20, blah, blah, blah. But you can offset that with side hustles and other things. If you don't have, if you have a job that is either mundane or, or more blue collar, there's other ways that you can add to that 70%. Right. Um, I also have, it's like my sitting in your car rules, what I call it out in the book. But if two days in a row, you're sitting in the car on your way into work and you're like, here we go. And for two days in a row, you have that sense of dread and it's not associated to your own procrastination or you challenging yourself and pushing yourself, then you got to change something. Right. And people ask me, they're like, Chris, how do you fire people? I'm like, usually it's a pretty simple conversation and it's, are you happy? No, nor are we. Let's find something that's more in line with what drives you. Okay. Right. Awesome. Like that's legitimately how those things go. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, like that concept that you just said. It's like, are you happy? Like, that's something that you don't hear a lot. Like, are you happy? Like, uh, asking about the person, their interpersonal relationship with themselves, right? Asking about those values. Because then, okay, well, it makes it easier to talk to somebody when they're, you know, like everybody loves talking about themselves. Totally. It's true. It's truth. I mean, it's the honest truth. And whenever you ask somebody about themselves, you open a book and people are letting, they're just, it depends how much they want you to read of it, but they'll let you read it. Um, and I've realized that time and time again, time and time again, it's just people are a book. They're just waiting for you to read it. If you ask the right questions, a hundred percent. And mm -hmm. what's missing so much in our corporate world is the power of connection Yep. and everyone. And for the first time ever, we finally have a generation, especially the Gen Zers out there mm -hmm. that will walk if they don't have that real connection and they don't need the fancy office with the ping pong table and kegs. What they need are leaders that have real connection that want to understand their story. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually it was Mike Hibison, uh, who 
introduced me to one of the best um, pieces of advice that he does, (laughs) which is he starts, and it's in the book, but he starts all of his one-on-ones with the option, do you want to talk about personal stuff or do you want to talk about work stuff? And 80% Mm. of the time, Mike will say, they talk about personal stuff. Yeah. And in that hour and that one-on-ones, I think Mike is like, uh, you know, I think he ends up having uh, 30 one-on-ones a, a, a month. But wow. most of those conversations are about personal things. And it's through that connection that drive and motivation yep. comes out of. And uh, I think if we want to approach work or if we want to approach a life where we're separating those two, good luck because the cell phone changed everything it's not work-life balance anymore it's work-life integration and that's also i hold mike up as one of my favorite examples of of how do you tactically introduce the power of connection for everything that we're doing especially in our work world work-life integration i'll have to remember that because that's i mean it's the truth though like you know i don't know i quoted that from someone i didn't came up come up with that myself i'm not stealing (laughs) <laughs> well, credit to whoever that was. But um, Chris, thank you so much for everything that we've been able to discuss today, man. It, it, I I can't thank you enough for getting this thing set up, Ryan. I can't, you know, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. Um, this conversation, I think, it's a perfect way to cap off this this twentieth episode in this season one. Um, so before, uh, you know, I want you to say anything else that you wanted to get out there, um, for our generation or for our viewership. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I'm you... working on, I'm working on the next thing and okay. it's actually be directed for, to millennials and Gen Zers. Um, but, and it'll have something to do around currencies. Um, but one of the things that I want to emphasize to everyone listening is do the work to understand who you are and what drives you. And that means Go buy strength finders, figure out what you're good at. It's mm-hmm. super easy. Buy strength finders. You take a quiz. You have to read like literally no more than 15 pages explaining what your top five strengths are. Put that away, right? And then take an Enneagram and take a Myers-Briggs test. And it's with those tools that you'll have a better understanding as to who you are, what you're good at, and where you need to go. And do not compromise that. Keep that in mind of that 70-30 rule. And remember, as you network, find and use all of this as your currency. Mm-hmm. And um, do a little bit of work, do a little bit of research, and you'll be amazed at the effectiveness of what even an Instagram message can do mm-hmm. for developing a long-term relationship. And there's no better example of that than what's happened here, Brett. Right. I mean, you can probably hit me up at any point right and we've Mm -hmm. got a real connection and i think we don't always emphasize the power of human connection no Um, and just like you said it it was something it it was as simple as me shooting you a dm that you know kind of i mean obviously ryan knowing and that relationship but it was as simple as me shooting you a dm just to get that ball rolling and to get this conversation started you know um and i don't think people realize that enough it's it's, totally i mean i always say who am i i'm a 21 year old kid trying to figure it out and it's you know a way to figure it out is going out and finding people that haven't figured out i'm a 39 year old kid trying to figure it out (laughs) well chris uh yeah connect with me everyone i'm at tough two two on instagram that's the easiest way do not email me as we know um because 
it's not an effective medium, but if I can be a sounding board for anyone, uh, just hit me up. I'm very responsive there. And then, you know, make your parents and friends um, read my book, The Millennial Whisper, <laughs> be bought on Amazon. Absolutely. Well, we'll you will market the crap out of that for you, man. And uh, I, I thank you so much again for everything that you've been able to bring to our community today. Do you have any uh, last remarks before we wrap this thing up? No, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I think you're making a difference uh, and no matter what uh, ends up happening. I, I applaud you all for taking action. Thank you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Well, Chris, uh, like I said, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And uh, it, uh, going forward, I can't wait to continue to build a relationship with you. Awesome. All right. Take care, Chris. See, See you guys. So now you have heard the interview with Blake Eason and I for episode 18. I want to recap a little bit. So if you weren't able to tell, that was actually a Skype conversation. We unfortunately were unable to get him up to Columbia, which is totally fine. We're working off Blake's time, and I'm totally cool with that. So Blake, again, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on the podcast today. That was incredible. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And going forward, I can't wait to continue to build a relationship and a friendship. So as we wrap up episode 18, I want to give you guys a little challenge, right? I want to be able to give you guys something to work on. This week, going into next week, and going into whenever, work on not allowing failure to deter you. You heard what Blake said. He put in all that work to get that audition. He put in all this time and effort just to not get it, right? But look what he did. He immediately went out, scheduled three classes in order to be better. He did, he went out there and is looking to learn. There's endless opportunities on the on the internet. You can go and look up YouTube. There are people uh, there's master classes now that literally have do all that. Guys, you can't allow that failure to be a part of you. You have to let that failure grow you. As we wrap up episode 18, I want to say the mission statement the mission statement is as follows. This group is designed to be a constant open communication between members to deal with issues that arise in everyday life. Whether it be fitness goals, personal goals, or life struggles, 